0: make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback. Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within. Combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954, MSRP 49905, excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit.
1: Before I get to my next guest, Paul Levy, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make the finest golf equipment in the world. And uh, that remains the mission today, folks. They forge every club they provide with the absolute precision that you ask for. Now, when I say that, what I mean is you, you give them their, your specifications, whatever they are, and they're going to make those clubs to those exacting specifications down in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You'll only find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them online and learn more about their great products and their great prices. Folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgatoursuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
1: All right, now back with me is former PGA President, of, or PGA of America President Paul Levy. Let me remind you about Paul's background. He's from New Orleans, played his college golf at LSU. Became a member of the PGA back in 1986. From 1999 to 2004, he served as general manager and PGA director of golf at Royal Oaks Country Club in Houston. 2004, he moved to Southern California to oversee the development of Tuscana Country Club. 2007 to 2012, Paul was elected as an independent director on the Southern California PGA Board of Directors. He was recently the CEO and general manager of Toscana Country Club in Indian Wells, California. He's been the secretary, the vice president, and the president of the PGA of America, was named president during their centennial year of 2016. After serving a two-year term, he was named honorary president going forward, and I am very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Well, it's great to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Paul, I wanted to start our time before we get into all the golf stuff. I got to get your thoughts on LSU. You still basking in the afterglow of the national championship?
2: Yeah, you know, even after watching all of our players get drafted, which, you know, if you read uh, the reports, LSU's probably had more NFL players drafted the last 15 years than any school out there. I think Alabama's second to us, But it was a great year. I mean, I don't think a team will ever have a year like that, it's not just with Joe and the Heisman, you look at the, you know, Belitnikoff winner, you look at Jordan Jefferson, you look at every everyone that we had on that team. I mean, we, I think, had five of the national individual awards for the year, besides going, what, uh, I can't remember, 16-0. and 0. And Joe's, you know, Joe Burrow, will anyone ever do what he did? But, uh, so that'll make us feel good for a few years, but I'm sure LSU fans in four or five years will be looking for another one. That's kind of how it is, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. So,
1: you happy for Burrow going number one to Cincinnati? You feel sorry for him?
2: You know, I think I've asked some people, and some people think he's going to do really well. I mean, it's time Cincinnati does come back. They haven't had a good team since the 90s or, you know, really long-term, good run. And uh, I think, you know, he's a native kid. He's excited. You know, his dad has uh, been in football in that state for years. And I think he will do well, and I think he'll get him to the playoffs, and I think he will be as great a leader in the NFL as you saw that one year in college to prove it was not a fluke.
1: Well, Paul, let's uh, let's talk a little golf, and I, I want to get your thoughts into what you think about what's going on, you know, right now in the country and then with the game of golf. We're sort of into a new no, new normal now for you know what's going on on and off golf courses, uh, thanks to uh, COVID-19, but. I know you can't speak for the PGA of America, but I uh, wanted to get your thoughts. What do you think the new normal is going to be like when we go out and play golf?
2: Well, you know, I, I will share with you, you know, uh, Susie Whaley, who's the president now, who's my fellow officer, and Jim Richardson, and John Lindert, and Seth Law, and John uh, Easterbrook, our chief membership officer, they've been helping lead the industry with the Get Back to Golf plan. So uh, I haven't been in those discussions, but John's actually. Uh, what, do, what do we call it now? Um, basically, quarantining ourselves or our stay home right. orders. John's about five houses down from my house where we are in Arizona in the mountains. So I speak to him, and I know that the plan they've worked real hard on, I think, was being released to the world today. It was released to our members Friday, and it's very comprehensive. And John told me that one of the things the CDC people said, and I think it's interesting that the PGA along with the GCSA and everyone that did this uh, plan and worked on it. This was an industry uh, plan that uh, they actually got the CDC to sign off on it. And uh, you know, one of the comments that John had shared with me is that when we say, when are we going to get back to normal, we might never get back to what we knew as normal. And, you know, some of the things are here for a while. I've played golf twice in the last 10 days, and the cup's upside down. Uh, you know, you, you feel like you got to hit the cup hit the putt a lot easier than you might normally. There's no hitting the back of the cup, but it's great to be out playing golf. But yeah, we're going we're to deal with, uh, you know, when you go to our club, we used to reach in the box and grab teas. Now they have five tees in a plastic bag with a pencil, with a scorecard. Uh, you know, the bathroom details totally different. Those things are here to stay. And it's things that we got to do to keep everyone healthy and safe. But it's great to see people back playing golf. I, I think I read today that over 80% of facilities are now back playing, which uh, we were at what, 45% just a couple of weeks ago.
1: What do you think about uh, what is this going to be like on the tour? Are we going to see fans at at, at tournaments? Or do you think uh, it, uh everything that goes into a tournament? Because it's not just the social distancing of, of fans as we, you know, walk around the golf course. I mean, there's, as you sort of alluded to a moment ago, there's a lot to think about. There's restrooms, there's concession stands, there's the autograph sessions. What what do you think the new normal is going to be like on the tour?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I think golf's got a chance to get back quicker than other sports because you're not like playing basketball or football where everyone's sweating on each other. But yeah, we're not going to see fans, it sounds like, for a while. I mean, I, I'm i not part of any discussions to that level. I read everything every day. You know, I speak to my friends. I speak to some of the officers. And, uh, you know, you see what Jay's saying. And, you know, they're talking about playing without fans to start. Um, you know, they've talked about, you know, could there be major championships without fans? Uh, you know, like you talk about Augusta. How can you... Augusta won't be the same. You know, I've got to go the last seven years and be a rules official as part of my duties being an officer. And I just don't see Augusta without fans. Uh, But we have to accept this new normal. I think as the tour progresses, hopefully they'll get back to where fans are part of the process. And let's face it, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if this virus is going to die out. I mean we don't know. I mean if you watch T V every day and depending on what channel you watch, you wonder if these people are reporting the same world.
1: It's so crazy to you, out to there. your point of, Yeah. And to your point about a a patronless masters not being the same, you know, Eric Johnson and I in the last segment were talking about that and we we're also talking about a Ryder Cup with no uh, with no fans. Could could we see a Ryder Cup, a fanless Ryder Cup, or do you think that uh, you know the tour may come up with some other ideas for how they want to handle that?
2: Well, obviously the Ryder Cup's not a tour decision. Remember, that's a PGA of America decision. The Ryder Cup is owned in America, our 50% by the PGA of America wholly. Although you know we have a great relationship with the tour. I mean, Seth Waugh, our CEO, and Jay Monahan. In fact, Seth gave Jay, Jay his first job in golf, running the Deutsche Bank years ago. They're very. They get along great. They have a great relationship. We get along better with the tour than we ever have in my 35 years as a PGA member. But that decision for the Ryder Cup will be up to the PGA of America. And then across the pond, you know, you have uh, Ryder Cup Europe. Um, you know, that's it's going to be a tough decision. Would I like to see a Ryder Cup without fans? Heck no. I mean, I, I've not missed a Ryder Cup since '97. I've been to every Ryder Cup uh, since. Uh, since 99, uh, of course, the famous one, the Brookline. But, you know, I'm not going to say anything as far as whether I think we will or we won't. There's a lot of factors that go in, as you know. I mean, you look at the British Open, and when the when they decided not to play the Open, and I know the, the insurance uh, that some of these associations have on these events, well, it's big business. I mean, you know, you lose a major championship, the TV dollars that go with it, I know how important that is to our PGA of America members because if we use all of the money that comes in off of our championships. It's what drives our day-to-day programming. It drives, you know, things like PGA Junior League Golf. It drives what we do in PGA Reach. It drives the day-to-day education for our members who are the working men and women out there at the green grass level, giving golf lessons like Eric and running golf facilities. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm hoping somehow, some way. We'll be in Wisconsin come December with some kind of fans. Um, We'll just see. I I really can't give you an opinion whether it will happen or not. There's just so many moving parts, and I wouldn't want to speak out of turn for my officers for the PGA, who really that's their position to speak for the association. But in my heart, I want to see fans, and I want to see a Ryder Cup come September. It's the greatest golf event in the world.
1: Agreed. So, I mean, and one of the things you just mentioned is the sort of the financial impact and the trickle down of all of that. Talk about it. There's two things from a financial standpoint I want to get into. First of all is that what is the financial impact that is going to be felt, uh, the ripple effect of all of this? And then on the opposite side of that, you guys do such great work from from a charitable perspective, raising money and doing work that way. Talk about uh, the dollars that uh, go along with that and, and the great work that the PGA of America does giving back.
2: Well, you know, you look at PGA REACH, which is really something that we branded. Uh, I was very fortunate. When I became secretary, I was elected at our annual meeting in November of 2012 um, in Baltimore, and Pete Aqua was given the position, was hired as our, as our uh, CEO. So my first day as an officer was Pete's first day as CEO. So uh, Pete did a great job for us. You know, Seth, of course, is doing a great job today. And you look at what we've done with PGA Reach, with PGA Hope, Help Our Patriots Everywhere, with PGA Junior League Golf, with PGA um, everything that we're doing in the charitable space. It takes dollars to do that. And, yeah, you look at the PGA Championship and the Ryder Cup, and those two major events, are greatly responsible for driving the day-to-day funds that we have to run the association. So uh, you look at the trickle-down effect, not just for the PGA of America, but you know the RNA for the Open, uh, even the Masters. They're huge numbers. You know, not just the TV dollars. How much how much money is driven to the economy? I haven't seen a number in a while. The last one I remember is the PGA Championship, depending on the market, whether it's Rochester, a small market whether you're going to Atlanta or whether you're going to St. Louis, it could be in the 80 to maybe 120 million range, and I'm guessing. I could be off, but I think I'm close. And, of course, that was a few years back. A Ryder Cup is much bigger than that. So forget our association, the game of golf, our members and the kids and growing this game. Think about what doesn't happen in that local community when you have a major championship. It's like
1: losing a Super Bowl. So let's go the opposite route. Talk about historically the amount of money that the PGA of America has given to charities across the world, across the country, and talk about the impact that that's had on some of the programs that have you know, come out of the dollars that have been given back and reinvested into the game.
2: Well, you know, the first thing I always like to say, and we did a study, I want to say it was my first year as president, about how much money. And of course, you know, the PGA is great is that they prepare us for speaking events and Engagements, you always have kind of the current numbers. So I don't want to spout any numbers off my head because I haven't seen any in a while. But the billions of dollars that are raised just from the game of golf. So that's not necessarily, let's say, a PGA Championship or a, uh, you know, a New Orleans Open or, or a uh, whatever tour event. The AT&T, the money and the locale. It's my good friend Casey Brozak, who I spoke to today, who's the director of golf at a club in Naples. It's the two or three events they do at his club for charity that maybe raise a hundred grand or fifty grand. You multiply all of those events for the game of golf, of which most of those facilities are led by a PGA professional. And you look at the dollars that go into charity. So it's not just the game. A lot of time those dollars are going to the local cancer society or to the halfway house to for people that are trying to turn their life around and all of the impact of all of that. You know, we're not having any of that money right now. But on the other hand, as far as tying it back to your question, the dollars that – not just the PGA of America, the game of golf has given to charity. I don't think there's a sport that can compete, and I think that's documented, that does more for the good of the community, and not just the game of golf, but just for people in general. So yeah, that's all going to take a hit. It's unfortunate. and uh, But I really have faith, and you know, I'm bullish in America. I'm one of those guys that I believe in America. I think that I believe in our stock market. I, I believe in our economy. I believe in I believe in our government. And I think that we're going to come back stronger than ever. And I think we'll get through this. And, uh, you know, it, right now it's hard.
1: Paul, talk about the other great things that you're involved with now. I know you're doing some other great work. Uh, update us on uh, what you're doing and what you're getting involved with now that you're uh, away from the PGA of America.
2: Well, you know, I obviously I, I worked for... Uh, Let's see. I worked in a golf shop. We're at a green grass facility and running clubs, you know, being a director of golf, a general manager. Uh, Then with Sunrise, I always was the GM and CEO of one of our clubs and then also was the president of our hospitality and golf division overseeing our properties in the Southwest. So I did that for like 35 years. And then uh, when I became president of the PGA, uh, it was time for me to leave Sunrise. we, We had developed I think, eight properties from scratch in my time that I was a part of. And then we would we would turn the clubs over to the members or sell them to a third party. So uh, when I was vice president, we were down to just one facility, Tostana. And, uh, you know, the gentleman I worked for, we weren't doing new projects. And so it was time for me to enjoy being president. And I really wanted to do something else. I, I'm an entrepreneur at spirit and at heart. You know, it's like any of the great teaching pros, they're They're entrepreneurs. They're out there selling themselves, giving service to the great people who love to play this game. They learn to promote themselves. They're great marketers, but more importantly, they're people who love to get up every day and do what they love to do. So for me, I'm involved in some entrepreneurial businesses that are new for me. One of them is really exciting. It's called Vi. It's basically uh, in the sports philanthropy world. We hope to be the Uber to what Uber was in transportation in the sports philanthropy world, where we can take normal fundraising events that. Would raise linear dollars, so to speak. You know, you you have a campaign where you know if people do GoFundMe. You go to a GoFundMe page and you donate a dollar. We've created a platform and a software, and actually are right now in the process of getting the patent, where we can uniquely take that one dollar and let's just say turn it into a higher multiple of that than you would get in a linear fundraising operation. So it's very exciting very centered around golf. We intend to have a world charity golf championship with it. It's uh, it's an organization that I'm a part owner in, and I'm very excited. And then I'm also involved in a couple other entrepreneurial opportunities. You know, I'll, I'll be 60 this year, so I'm not getting any younger. And, uh, you know, my wife and I just bought a house in the mountains, and we kind of want to live where we want to live, and it's that time of my life to enjoy it.
1: So, Paul, for all of our listeners that want to stay up to date with Vi, and it's uh, V as in Victor, I-E, so Vi. They want to stay up to date with that and uh, some of the other things you're doing. Is there a way that we can you do that, whether friend. it's uh, online or on social media? You know,
2: obviously, anyone can reach out to me through email. My email is still my PGA email, Lee, with the L E B Y at com. With the other businesses I have, one of them is – uh. Is, uh if you're familiar with Boardroom Magazine in the club industry, John Fanaro is the editor and owner, and uh, they have Distinguished Clubs of America. We're creating Distinguished Golf Destinations so that we're uh, qualifying and certifying the top resorts and daily golf courses in America. So I use my 1PGA email for everything. Um, social media-wise, I guess I'm not as much of a social media buff as uh, maybe that younger generation below me, but uh, love to hear from anyone if I can help somebody buy people are going to hear about it soon we we don't have a strong website presence right now we we're right now getting the patent pending and we're hoping that in the next two weeks we're going to be ready to rock and roll and we hope that millions of not just americans but millions of people around the world understand that we've created a business at the end of the day does one great thing raises money for people who need help
1: that's fantastic Paul, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Always enjoy spending time with you. I hope uh, when everything starts well, to get up and running, you'll come back and share some more of that information with us.
2: Well, you en- you enjoy Atlanta there, I think. Is that where you are in Atlanta?
1: That's right. Well, get
2: you some golf in. I know that we've got golf courses open up, and I look forward to being back on. And to all your listeners out there, just try to get back on the golf course and play a little golf
1: you go. Paul, take care. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up soon. Thank you, Chris. See you, Paul. That's a great Paul Levy. L-E-V-Y is uh, the spelling of his last name. And the company, again, is Vi, V as in victory, I-E. So let's keep our eyes on uh, Google on that. And then uh, as he gets things going and uh, helping people out, which is fantastic, obviously, Want to get him back on the show and update us for how things are going and then how the rest of us can uh, potentially get involved and help out as well. Paul's
0: fantastic. Look forward to catching up with him soon. Make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback. Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within. Combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And you the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online, or shop in person on petrie Boulevard, just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback, 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year, with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954. MSRP 49,905. Excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 53124 with approved credit. Have you thought about securing your hard-earned assets? Do you have concerns about the future? Protecting assets is crucial, and that's where Nelson Eldercare Law
2: excels. As a family-owned and family-focused firm, we provide absolute assurance and peace of mind through our trademarked Absolute Protection Trust, tailored services in estate planning, probate administration, Medicaid crisis solutions, guardianship and conservatorship. Our goal is to exceed your expectations and empower informed decisions. Visit nelsoneldercarelaw.com for asset protection and peace of mind. Right now, American heroes are in some of the most dangerous places on Earth, risking their lives to protect our freedom. But there are a forgotten group of heroes here at home. They face fear, loneliness, and despair, the ever-present threat of losing a loved one. These are the brave sons and daughters of the U.S. military, and they are heroes too. American Bible Society brings the hope and comfort of God's Word to the kids that need it most. Honor a hero and donate today at AmericanBible.org slash hero.